The year-end holidays, like Starbucks lattes, come in many different flavors. There's Christmas and Hanukkah, the Epiphany and Kwanzaa, Santa Lucia, the solstice, and New Year's too. The holidays hail from different traditions with different meanings, some theological, others, well, maybe not so much, or maybe once they did, but are now mostly lost to modernity. Yet they are similar in that in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, they mark the shortest, darkest days of winter. We observe them in community, together with family. They celebrate the light and being together in the cold dark of winter, candles burning with hope for brighter, warmer days ahead. The jazzy music of a Charlie Brown Christmas skips through the air, conjuring visions of Linus on the piano and Snoopy dancing up a storm. What's not to love, right? Well, for many, the joy of the holiday seasons can be elusive, puzzling, depressing, or even, dare I say, downright annoying. Think of the Grinch. Dr. Seuss writes, Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. Peering down from his cave, high atop Mount Crumpet, he shuddered at the thought of all the Who children who would rush for their toys. And then, oh, the noise, the noise, noise, noise. Yes, soon there will be family and feasts of roast beast and presents and laughter, and light, and singing, and joy. Oh, my. But for some, most of whom, to be sure, are not Grinches at all, joy proves elusive. The drumbeat of the holidays taps out its rhythm. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, me and my drum. It heightens expectations beyond measure serving up disappointment yet again. For many, feelings of loneliness, sadness, and inadequacy arise and take the place set aside for joy. American philosopher and psychologist William James describes what he termed a soul sickness. Unexpectedly, from the bottom of every fountain of pleasure, Something bitter rises up, a touch of nausea, a falling dead of delight, a whiff of melancholy, things that sound the knell. For fugitive as they may be, they bring a feeling of coming from a deeper region and often have an appalling convincingness. The buzz of life ceases at their touch as a piano string stops sounding when the damper falls upon it. For many, this is the experience of the holidays. They can be a real buzz killer. The holiday blues, it turns out, for many are real.
According to a study by the American Psychological Association, 38% of those surveyed said that their stress levels increased during the holidays, which can lead to physical illness, depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. To make matters worse, the National Alliance on Mental Illness noted that 64% of individuals living with a mental illness felt their conditions worsened around the holidays. So how can we prepare ourselves when thoughts of the holidays do not dance through our heads like sugar plum fairies, when the anxieties of holidays, past, present, and future, haunt our thoughts, both waking and not? McLean Hospital, just up the hill here, offers us six pieces of advice in their new guide to managing mental health around the holidays. One, if we're lacking the holiday spirit. If being surrounded by cheeriness that we ourselves do not feel leaves us feeling left out, if we feel pressured to be social and happy when we are not, remember, we're not the only ones who feel this way. Many people have difficulty getting into the holiday spirit. None of us is unique in this manner. Surround ourselves with people who feel similarly. Being with others can often be better than being alone with our own thoughts. Personally, I know that being alone with my own thoughts is often not the right answer. Recognize we don't need to force ourselves to be happy. In fact, we can't. We all know this to be true. Avoid numbing feelings by using alcohol or other substances, which only worsen anxiety and depression in the long term. Alcohol and drugs never make things any better. And celebrate our own traditions, or even create new ones. Now, I find the suggestion to create new traditions a fascinating one. The word tradition, a statement, belief, or practice handed down from generation to generation, comes from the Latin trans, across, and dare, to give or to deliver. So, a tradition is something that endures or delivers across the lines of time. It would seem, then, that a tradition can only be recognized as such by looking backwards, through time, to see if it has, in fact, endured. And yet, we are advised in the present to create a new tradition. This undertaking is imbued with hope, the feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And to make it happen, it takes faith, the willingness to act upon the possibility of creating a new tradition, even when the evidence for its success is far from certain. Moving into action, creating a new tradition for our own benefit and the benefit of others, present and future, turns out to be a possible path back to joy in the present. Now, 
As I contemplate my first Christmas without my mother, I must admit that I'm not really feeling the holiday spirit. And you know what? That's okay. I'm not sure that with so much in flux that I'm ready to undertake the creation of a new tradition. But I will be here with you all on Christmas Eve for four services. <laughs> but perhaps the following day, a surprise trip for Christmas and New Year's with my husband. Could a surprise trip on December 25th be the start of a new tradition? You bet it could. I'm getting kind of excited just thinking about it now. But let's return to the advice from McLean. Two. If we're overwhelmed by grief and loss, if we find ourselves grieving the loss of a loved one, as I'm now grieving the recent loss of my mother, let's remember to be kind and gentle with ourselves. Accept that we don't need to force ourselves to celebrate the holidays this year. They'll be back again in less than 12 months. They're not going anywhere. Grieve now. If we don't, it'll just come back to bite us in the butt when we least expect it. We know this to be true. Connect with a support group, friends, a therapist, or with our faith community here. We really do need one another, and we are here for each other. Join us for tea and scones, a book group, musical vespers, a lunch, or a night of board games. It's good just to be together. Three, if we feel pressured to participate in activities. If we find ourselves dreaming about the ways the holidays were or should have been or are supposed to be, we may set ourselves up for disappointment, unable to live up to the unrealistic expectations that we place upon ourselves and others. So better to prioritize and commit to only the most important activities. Pick one or maybe two things and with grace and politeness, decline all the others. We're bound to feel relieved when our list of holiday commitments is shorter. We may even find that we're able to enjoy what we have committed to once the stress of declining the other events is behind us. Or schedule some get-togethers after the holidays when times are not so fraught with expectations. There's way less stress in making a plan for after the holidays. Four, if we feel stressed about giving gifts. If the stress of spending money or taking time to go shopping weighs upon us, if the mere idea of stepping into shopping malls fills us with a sense of existential dread, in full confession, that would be me. I hate shopping. Instead, give the gift of helping a neighbor or a friend or a stranger. The act of giving is more important than a present. Let our presence be our present. Forget the shopping, except for the little ones. Focus more on others and less on ourselves. It actually reduces our anxiety 
when we can step out of our own heads and help someone else. Five, if lack of sunlight is affecting our mood, sad, seasonal affective disorder is real. So remember to get out into the sunlight as much as possible, work near a window if you can, and exercise outdoors in the middle of the day. And finally, six, if we feel alone or isolated, if we are predisposed to depression or anxiety, it can be especially hard to reach out to others during the holidays. Isolation can aggravate depression. To counter it, we can remind ourselves of people, places, and things that actually make us feel happy. This Christmas, I intend to set some quiet time aside to contemplate past holidays with family members who are no longer with us, reconnecting with my past in a positive way. Schedule a regular call or a video chat with friends on a weekly basis. It can reduce the stress and effort if it appears in the calendar as a regularly occurring event. Send out holiday cards to friends and family with a brief personal note. Let people know, I'm thinking of you. This is something that I'll be doing myself. There's something special about receiving a card in the mail with a festive holiday stamp rather than a message on Facebook or Instagram. And finally, keep up self-care activities like reading, meditating, and journaling. They really do keep us grounded. When we boil it all down, the advice for tending to our mental health during the holidays seems simple enough. Be kind to ourselves. Take care of ourselves. Don't set reasonable expectations. Don't numb out on alcohol and drugs. Give space for grief work. Reach out and help others. Be in community. And create new traditions that will lead now and in the future back to a present joy. But simple doesn't mean easy. Forming healthy habits that support our mental health requires intention and attention. Would that good habits were as easy to pick up as the bad habits. I still miss my camel filterless cigarettes. I do. I really, really do. <laughs> but the effort of being intentional and moving into positive action is worth it. Sometimes actions can actually change our thinking and our emotional state. Bringing a smile to another's face almost invariably makes us smile ourselves. If we are lucky, our view of the holidays may become just a bit brighter by bringing a bit of joy into someone else's life. The joy of the holiday season may unexpectedly come upon us, like the joy of reconnecting with an old friend or making a new one, a true gift indeed. Perhaps our exploration of our relationship to the holidays in the ways that we move into action to help make better meaning of them 
for ourselves and for others may even transform us. At the end of Dickens' A Christmas Carol, after Scrooge has explored the visions given to him by the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future, after he has lived into these visions, some sweet, some sad, some terrifying, Scrooge makes a change. He acts differently. His transformation is marked by the move from his prior focus on self, now reaching out to the other, to Bob Cratchit, to Tiny Tim, and to others who struggle. Of the new Scrooge, Dickens writes, Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend as the good old city knew. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and heeded them little, for he knew that nothing ever happened on this globe for good at which some people did not have their fill of laughter at the outset. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be said of us, all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. May it be so.